Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Liz Moody Podcast, formerly known as the Healthier Together Podcast. We are the same podcast, but with even more of everything that you love. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a best-selling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're discovering how to host the perfect get-together, learning the health effects alcohol truly has on us, or getting the sex and relationship advice that we need to keep our partnerships thriving. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, scroll on back in the archives. Today, I am joined by the incredible Allison Bornstein. Allison is a celebrity stylist, wardrobe specialist, and closet therapist. She has made huge waves on the internet with her famous three-word method and wrong shoe theory, and she's also just the most charming individual on the planet. This is an episode about how to dress well, and we get into so much of the nitty-gritty of that, but it's also about how fashion is a way to be our aspirational selves and to feel the way that we want to feel. It's this incredible tool in our toolkit, and I, for one, had not been leaning on it enough. We get into an exercise for using fashion to figure out who you are as a person, yes, really, (laughs) how to look as cute as possible with the smallest amount of effort, aka my favorite section of the interview, why you shouldn't strive for flattering and what to do instead, how to have the style that you want even if there are areas of your body you're self-conscious about, the comfiest shoes that are still fashionable, the secret to buying jeans that you'll love. Allison's famous three-word method and exactly how to try it yourself. We also figure out my three words in this episode, how to know when something is trendy versus timeless, when to splurge and when to save, the stores that stylists love for bags, jewelry, t-shirts, jeans, and more, and just so much more. If you're listening to this episode on release day, Allison's book, Wear It Well, Reclaim Your Closet and Rediscover the Joy of Getting Dressed was released yesterday on September 26th. It is truly an incredible book. It's gorgeous to look at and it is filled with practical advice. So definitely check that out wherever books are sold. As always, we would both love to hear your thoughts on our advice and your takes as you're listening. So definitely screenshot and tag us on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody and Allison is at Allison Bornstein 6. And if you love this conversation or if any of Allison's amazing words of wisdom really resonates with you, please share it with a friend or a family member. Sharing is the best way to support the pod. And Allison is just a gem and gave the most practical, applicable advice that I feel like we could all use to feel our best every single day. Before we dive in, I am so excited to announce that my book tour dates are live This is a book tour unlike any other book tour. I have taken everything that I learned in the Priya Parker episode about throwing amazing gatherings, and I have created one night that will change your life. You're going to make new friends. Solo guests are highly encouraged. You're going to laugh and you're going to learn a lot as we truly bring the tips in the book to life. Go to lizmoody.com slash tour to snag your ticket because these will sell out. I cannot wait to see you there. Okay, get ready to look and feel phenomenal because here's Allison. Let's just dive right in. Great. (laughs) Do you have any tips for what is the most efficient way to get to looking cute if you don't want to put the work in? If you do not like style, like it is not your jam. You're not going to be browsing on Pinterest, whatever. You're just like, I want to look cute. I want to get compliments. I will say this. 
Style is not effortless for anybody. It takes so much work, no matter who you are. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, like she just looks so easy breezy. It's like, no, she probably tried way harder than you could ever imagine. So just going into it thinking like, okay, this might take some trial and error. Not everything's going to look perfect on me, nor should it. I have to put in a little bit of the work. I know that's not what you want to hear. But I would say just think about what is it that makes you feel the most comfortable and the most like yourself, whether it's colors, silhouettes, materials, textures. Think of what are you wearing when you feel your best and kind of try to just work off that. And if it's like leggings and a sweatshirt, great. Maybe like a slim leg jean and something like baggier on top. You know, like I feel like we can kind of take what we know and sort of then begin to apply it in a larger way. But it takes work. What if you don't know who you are? So I would have never picked out the outfit that I'm wearing. I would have never gravitated towards it. I never would have known that it would look cute. But then I put it on my body and I was like, yes, this is me. It's captured. I find that so crazy because I feel like when I look at your Instagram and when I look at like your branding, it's like this look is that. But I wouldn't get there. So I think even with the three words, I've worked with you. I hired you to help me figure out my three words. And even now I'm like, were those my three words or is that who I was trying to be? There's so much identity wrapped up in fashion and style. Yeah. And I think you sort of nailed it. It's like, if you don't know who you are trying to be or who you genuinely are inside, then it's really hard to get dressed because it's hard to project that style. My goal when I work with clients is to try to help them bring their style into alignment with their most genuine self. How do we know? How do we know? Fashion is something like it takes effort. And it's also something that I don't know, people do not really recognize or respect how deep of a process it is because they're the trauma and, you know, the challenge around getting dressed, especially as women. But there's also just that sense of you really have to ask yourself, who am I? <laughs> yeah, outside of who I'm being told to be or who society wants me to be. Or even like what looks flattering. Like yeah. that's a toughie too. And again, I don't blame us as women. We're told that like if you have this kind of body type, you should wear this. I mean, reading magazines like our whole lives, it's like, am I a pear shape or an apple shape? And then sort of going by those rules. And I understand why those rules are attractive because it gives us guidelines. But I think also it's so limiting. And we're told what we can wear and what we can't wear. And again, what's flattering, what's the best color on us, instead of just allowing us to experiment and play. And that's a lot of what my book is about. We usually approach our wardrobes with, I don't want to say hate, but like I feel like very few people like look in their wardrobe and they're like, I love it here. I love getting dressed. This is such a beautiful, safe space. But I want my book to sort of inspire people to look at getting dresses a joyful process and a fun process and an expressive process. And it takes a lot of work to get there, but it's possible. (laughs) Okay. I have so many questions about that. I had a stylist on our other fashion episode and she said, fuck flattering. She was like, the notion of flattering is based on basically all of us trying to work towards an idealized body type that doesn't exist. Yeah. You're like, oh, we're trying to elongate your legs. Like anytime you're thinking those types of thoughts, but at the same time, I find when I put clothes on my body, sometimes I'm like, ooh, I don't like how that looks on my stomach. I don't like how that looks on my thighs. So how do we fuck flattering but still feel comfy and feel good and feel confident in our clothes? 
flattering should not be the first thing that we think or the only thing that we think. If there are things that we feel look better on our bodies, that's great. That's good information to know. But when it becomes limiting, that's when I think it's what the stylist said, fuck flattering, you know? So for example, I've used this example before, but like I have a big chest and I feel like every magazine would always say, if you have a big chest, like don't wear anything high necked and just wear stuff that's like a little bit lower. You should only wear a V-neck t-shirt. And I don't like the way V-neck t-shirts look on me. And maybe it does make my chest look smaller or whatever it's supposed to do, but I don't like it. I feel like it mostly just like puts your boobs out. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. But then I love wearing blazers and I don't really love the way on me a blazer looks with a V-neck shirt. So if I only wore V-neck shirts and I couldn't wear blazers, which I really love, and then it's like I'm really limiting myself and then it becomes like a puzzle and it becomes complicated and it's not fun. So I think that in that sense, it's like we just sort of have to identify what we like. And again, if we feel more comfortable in a silhouette that makes our legs look longer or like fits well on our tummy, like you said, then like that's fine. But it shouldn't be the only thing that we're thinking. We shouldn't let it limit us. So what do we do pragmatically in a situation where we're looking at a style that we like online, but we don't like how that style looks on our body? That's a really good question. So for example, let's say you're super petite and you like a more oversized look. Let's say you're looking at the silhouette online and it's styled like a big oversized pant with a big oversized tee and a blazer. And you're like, that looks so cool on her. And I love this look, but like, I don't know how. Maybe it's about doing the big wide trouser, but then doing it with a more fitted top and then the blazer, just having something that's a little bit fitted. Or maybe you realize, I actually love when I wear like a big jacket. So maybe it's about doing the oversized jacket with like a slimmer pant. So it's about, instead of trying to do like a copy paste, taking those extra few minutes and being like, what is it that I really like? And how can I kind of apply this to my style, my lifestyle, my body, if that's something that you want to consider? That's super helpful. And then going back to the beginning, how do we know who we are? Okay, well, (laughs) that is a big question. I think that's a really good question. How do we know who we are? I mean, just in terms of life and in terms of our (laughs) style, I think it takes some work. So I think in terms of your style, I feel like from this day forward – Every single day, take a picture of what you're wearing. Just take a picture of your look. You're not sharing these. These are just for you. You can cut out your head. It can just be like of your look. Make a folder of things that you love, looks that you love, and then make a folder of things that not perfect. And I feel like by looking at the things that you love and seeing it on you, you can kind of distill, oh, wow, it seems like I really like tonal looks on me. Or I really love when I have something more fitted on the bottom and then oversized on top. Or maybe it's I really like all the looks where I'm wearing sneakers. It's kind of doing like a little bit of work and figuring out what is it that is making me feel because again, there's no like right or wrong. I feel like the pictures that you put in the folder that you might not like as much. It's not that they look bad. It's just like maybe they just don't feel quite as genuine as the others do. So I think that's something to sort of begin to figure out your style. I think you know, creating like mood boards and Pinterest. And I know that takes work. Sometimes we'll think of it as like a task. I need to like make a mood board right now. That can feel really overwhelming. And then you're like looking for inspiration and then it kind of feels like a little force. I like to just, every time I see something I like, I screenshot it. Even like if it's something that somebody's wearing on a TV show, like I'll take a picture and just put it in a folder. Again, it's only for you. It doesn't have to be like aesthetically pleasing, but just start gathering things that you like starting today and create these folders or these mood boards and You don't have to like set aside time to like create a mood, but it should just be like an evergreen type of thing. And then it becomes more fun and less pressure. 
I do feel like that's interesting though because I see stuff I like and then I feel like I try – maybe I need to try more of a little version like you were saying of that on me. But it's like have you seen those TikToks like is it a fit or is it Gigi <laughs> yes, Hadid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's always Gigi Hadid and then I put it on me and I'm like, oh no, that doesn't work. Right, because thank God you're not Gigi Hadid. You're you. I feel like that's what makes social media sometimes challenging when it comes to fashion because – we see so much. There's so much product. There's so much inspiration. But then we also see a lot of it is really similar. We're seeing so much at once. But again, sometimes it feels pretty same, 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 same. So we kind of feel like, okay, like if Gigi and all these girls are wearing like these really oversized things, that's the thing to do. But again, we can figure out a way to make it work for us and, you know, kind of put our own spin and our style on it. How do you feel about looking trendy and modern versus being timeless. I thought it was really interesting with your book, for instance. A book is more timeless than like an Instagram post, but fashion is so cyclical. It's happening so quickly. People say that it's happening faster than ever. Like something that was in fashion two months ago is now out of fashion. It's like you almost get whiplash. So how did you navigate that when it comes to your book? And then what can we take from that when it comes to finding our style and having it feel fresh and modern, but also timeless? I think the key there is that, again, like that's not really what people want to hear, but it's all very personal. So for example, something that's timeless to me might not necessarily be like a timeless thing to you. You know what I mean? So almost I have these like timeless versus trendy questions. And one of them is, let's say like a motorcycle jacket. You know, I feel like some people think that that's a very timeless thing. Some people are like, I would never wear a motorcycle jacket. But like if you ask yourself, if I buy a motorcycle jacket and I keep it in my wardrobe for five years, in five years, would I want to pull out this exact motorcycle jacket and wear it again? Or will I want the new upgraded modern version of this motorcycle jacket? And I feel like that's just kind of like a good way to think about it in general. How did you think about style in terms of your book? Like, how did you think about, I'm going to capture what will make you feel really stylish now. You're not dressing in 1989, (laughs) but like in five years, somebody will still be able to pull out this book and have it be usable. It just feels like it'd be the hardest challenge of writing a book about fashion to me. You're right. You're you're right. No, because I think I wasn't. You're like, that was was hard. hard. No, but I think it's like to not be too specific and also, again, to give people advice for them to apply to themselves. So instead of being like, you should wear, you know, high rise skinny jeans. Thank God I didn't say that. You know what I mean? Because now people are saying skinny jeans are out. So I feel like just saying finding the gene that fits well for your body. Advice is like personal and it's case by case. So I tried my hardest to give advice that felt timeless and something that everybody can apply no matter their lifestyle, body type, gender, race, anything. So in your opinion, can any shape of jeans look fashionable depending on how you style it and your body? 100%. I know people are saying like skinny jeans are out, but I feel like you could style skinny jeans to look really modern and cool. Like you could do skinny jeans with those kind of cool, chunky, like buckled motorcycle boots. You could do a skinny jean with that and a big oversized blazer and like a cool pair of sunglasses. You can style anything to make it feel modern. Going back to the motorcycle jacket, it's less about the piece and it's more about the styling. And maybe that's also why the book feels timeless because I feel like this advice is advice that we've been hearing. I mean, my book's very special, but I feel like the styling advice, it's timeless. It's not necessarily based on, I don't have to see your exact wardrobe to tell you how to approach it. Okay, so let's dive into some of like the nitty gritty stuff around fashion, discarding the notion of flattering. People wrote to me a lot and they said that they wanted to like 
copy these trendy looks online, but they felt really uncomfortable with their stomach area particularly. And that's something that I've run into with fashion as well. I feel like crop tops are the thing now. I saw like a, here's how millennial would style something. Here's how Gen Z would style it video. And every single Gen Z video is just like a, the same thing, but a crop, crop top. top. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like maybe baggier jeans. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, jeans. okay, cool. So I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Although I do like myself a crop top now and then. What would you say to somebody who wants to feel really fashion forward, but maybe that's an area that they feel a little bit less comfy with? You can wear something that's maybe like a little bit, I call it like a boxy crop. So something that's not necessarily showing your stomach, but still has that shape that's going to give a little bit of distance between your top and your pants. Because the thing that I think looks like cool about a crop top is that you can see the waistband of your pants. It gives like a really nice dimension. It gives a nice silhouette. But again, if you don't want to show your stomach, that's fine. Just go for something that's maybe like a little bit more boxy, but not necessarily tight and showing your stomach. So that's kind of my workaround there. I mean, I feel like we don't have to show our stomachs. I don't like showing mine. (laughs) I feel like jeans though, like I don't like how jeans ever look on my stomach. What's your favorite pair of jeans? I literally don't own a pair of jeans. (gasps) Yeah. Not a single pair. I have never found a pair I like. I like like a wide leg, like silky trouser. Yeah. I'm way into that. I literally don't own a pair of jeans. Are you okay? Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, but the wide leg silky trouser gives us some really good information. Just going off that, and this might seem counterintuitive, but like a pair of jeans that's maybe slightly more fitted on top, but then a wider, like looser silhouette. Have you ever tried that? Could be cute though, because it feels like that would be like very Gen Z crazy, but I kind of feel like that would work with the things that you already have because you already have pieces to style with your wide leg pants. It could be something nice to try. I'm just kind of like, why have a tight waistband when you could have like a, a not elastic yeah. Well, waistband? Yeah, and that also like you don't have to have a pair of jeans. Yeah. Like I feel like you're doing just fine without them. That kind of also goes into something I talk about in the book. There's a lot of talk about like capsule wardrobes and this is the one thing that everybody needs in their wardrobe. I don't think everybody needs like a specific pair of jeans in their wardrobe. And if you don't like wearing jeans, I don't think you need to have jeans. Why? I've talked about this before too, but I feel like growing up, there was always that article about like how to have like the perfect French capsule. And it's always like a crisp white button down. And I was like, okay, like I need a crisp white button down, I guess, because I like that kind of French style. So like I would buy one and every single time I'd put it on, I'm like, oh, this is not cute. Like this looks horrible on me. But every time I'd go to purge my wardrobe or edit, that stupid crisp white button down shirt, I'd be like, well, everyone needs one. I got to keep it. So I would keep it. I would keep it. And it just didn't look good on me. I realized like not everybody needs this crisp white button down shirt. Like maybe for me, it's like a silky printed shirt, something that's like a little bit more 70s, or maybe it's a denim shirt, or maybe it's like a corduroy shirt, or maybe it's a white shirt that's like linen. So I feel like those types of capsules and rules are sometimes, again, there's no point for you to have jeans. (laughs) Do you think that there is anything at all that like everybody should have? And do you think that there's anything that's like probably more timeless and worth investing in? Yes. I think there are silhouettes that are really useful. So going back to like the crisp white button down, like I said, it doesn't have to be like crisp. It doesn't have to be white. Like it can be silk, but I feel like a button down is really nice because you can wear it open. You can wear it closed. You can wear it over a bathing suit. You can wear it tucked in. Like there's so much that you can do there. So like that's like a very versatile piece of your wardrobe. And I feel like we all probably already have that in some version. I also think something that is helpful and worth investing in is a good jacket. It doesn't have to be a blazer, but something that feels tailored and just something that makes you feel amazing. Because I feel like you can put a jacket over like yoga pants or you can put a jacket over 
a really nice dress and it just elevates everything. To me, like a really good jacket is something to invest in. And is there anything that right now you feel like is definitely trendy and there's no way that we're going to want to style it in like five years and feel good? Such a good question. It's so hard. I'm sure in five years, whatever I say is going to be back in style because the trends go so quick. so fast. It's really quick. I saw recently on TikTok, I love a big oversized blazer. And then I saw recently the young kids were saying oversized blazers are over and you have to wear something like cinch. And I was like, okay, this is the thing about the rules. That looks cute too. I like the cinch one too. Why does one have to be out? Why can't we both look great. So I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that I feel like will be out. Maybe it will be a big oversized, but no, I don't know. I don't have anything. Okay, wait. So (laughs) if everything can be cool, when I'm looking at two outfits, why does one read as cool and the other one reads as not cool? Styling. So what is that? Like break that down for me. What does that mean specifically? Give me an example of like a look that looks cool and a look that looks Like I feel like ballet flats with like kind of a fitted sweater and skinny jeans looks just like not that cool. Yeah. And then I feel like anything like Hailey Bieber wears like (laughs) feels cool. cool. Okay. So like a ballet flat, I think you're right. With like a fitted sweater, skinny jeans and ballet flat, everything is so slim. So it's like the sweater slim, the jeans are slim, and then the shoe doesn't really have that much substance or weight. So it's all just kind of slim. I think that to make a ballet flat feel interesting and cool and modern, I feel like you want to add some tension to the look. So maybe instead of a skinny jean, you do it with a straight leg jean or even with a jean that's slim but is longer. And then the ballet flat kind of peeks out. And then maybe you do it with the slim sweater, but then you put like a blazer over it or like a leather jacket over it. Maybe you add a belt and you tuck in the front. I feel like it's all about styling and it's all about proportion. And in my book, I talk about like the wrong shoe. And I feel like that's all about this idea of creating tension and using accessories to give a little contrast to the look. So if you feel like a ballet flat would be the perfect thing to wear with like a skinny jean, pick something else. You know what I mean? (laughs) I am so, so excited to share this brand with you. I started trying Osmia because Zach and I were nomading in Carbondale and everyone was like, oh, the founder of Osmia lives there. You should hang out with her. So I DM'd her and we hung out and I was blown away by how brilliant she was and how absolutely incredible her products were. After a decade in emergency medicine, Dr. Sarah Villafranco founded Osmia to help people discover healthier, happier skin. Sound familiar? Without the use of parabens, phthalates, petrochemicals, sulfates, ethoxylates, synthetic fragrance, or artificial colors. But the products do not sacrifice at all when it comes to efficacy. Sarah's utilizing a deep understanding of science and of the whole health of our body, like how our skin interacts with our gut and our hormones to create the most beautiful and lovely to use products. I'm going to call out a few of my favorites. I told Sarah that my skin was so dry in the Colorado climate and I needed help, and she introduced me to two products that have become my absolute heroes. The Lip Repair Overnight Mask is literally exactly like the viral Laneige lip sleeping mask, but with way better ingredients, which is so important because you are literally eating it all night. It completely healed my dry cracked lips and it made them buttery soft and I just cannot recommend it enough. Then the Nectar Nourishing Drops are like magic in a bottle and a total favorite. 
Oils can be hard to penetrate skin on their own, but the secret with these is that you mix them into a moisturizer. You can use any moisturizer, but I love the Osmia Purely Simple Face Cream, and then it turns that moisturizer into the most luxurious, super-powered hydrator in the world. It's calming. It's so moisturizing. I've just never had my skin feel like this. And because you only use a few drops each time, it lasts forever. Sarah is also famous for creating products that help with perioral dermatitis or when you get red and broken out around your mouth, eczema, and acne, even when nothing else works. So I highly recommend checking out that area of her site. If you deal with those, you can search by skin type. And then finally, I want to shout out the bar soap, which is her first product and what she got famous for. Besides being eco-friendly because you're skipping all the packaging, the ingredients in these soaps are amazing. They make your skin feel so good and they smell so good. My two favorites are Coffee Mint, which is part of their core soap collection, and Amber Sun, which is a seasonal soap. They have a seasonal collection called the Craft Series in the featured section of the website, and they release super special soaps, body oils, and body mousses for every season, so definitely check those out. If you would like to try any Osmia skincare products for yourself, they have so generously created a code for the Liz Moody podcast listeners. Code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. You need to try the lip repair mask. Trust me. So add that to your cart right away. Once again, code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. If you ever get motion sickness or nausea from anything, I am about to change your life. I've gotten to personally test Relief Band for over a year now, and I literally keep one in my car so all of my car sick friends can wear it. And I've gotten to hear from thousands of you who've already bought it, and the reaction is always the same. I cannot believe how well this works. Like everyone is always skeptical, and then they try it, and they are flabbergasted. Relief Band is the number one anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and much more. The technology behind how it works is fascinating. It stimulates a nerve in your wrist that travels to the part of your brain that controls nausea. It then blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you you're sick. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and has zero side effects because of how simply it works. The best thing about wearing your relief band is that it not only treats nausea, it also prevents it from even happening in the first place if you put it on before you travel. I've even found that it works for the nausea that often accompanies my anxiety, which helps with the misattribution that can increase anxiety, and it's just so helpful in so many areas of my life. I absolutely love that you're not ingesting anything, and Relief Band also has an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and over 100,000 satisfied customers. I saw one reviewer who said that she went through Drake's Passage, which is famously the most turbulent water in the world, and she experienced zero nausea despite normally getting seasick. And usually I'd be like, that is full BS, but having seen Relief Band work time and time again, I'm like, yep, that makes sense. I have the premier one, which I like because it looks really sleek, but all of the options are good, so buy the one that suits your needs. And they all last a really long time, too. Remember, you don't have to overplan for nausea relief or dose up to six hours before a trip. Just bring your relief band and you are good to go. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for the Liz Moody podcast listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Liz Moody, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R E 
L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code Liz Moody for 20% off plus free shipping. So what would be some examples of like the right shoe and then a wrong but really right shoe that we could swap into an outfit? Okay, yes. A really easy one is, I mean, this is maybe like basic at this point, but it's a good example. A trouser, you know, like normally you think like, okay, I'm going to wear a trouser. It's kind of a more like dressy pant. Like maybe I'll wear it with a heel or maybe I'll wear it with a loafer. But I feel like the kind of wrong shoe would be maybe like a sneaker or like a chunky boot or something that feels kind of dissimilar to the idea of the trouser. Or like another classic one is a dress with sneakers. Like I feel like that's a good illustration of the idea because normally when you think, oh, I'm going to wear like a pretty floral dress, then I'm going to wear like a nice like block heel sandal or even a ballet flat. So I think that you know, doing a sneaker or something that feels like a little bit more sporty gives it that contrast. What sneakers are, I mean, I guess we're like, nothing's cool right now, but I do feel like sneakers like cycle in and out and I want to get a sneaker, but I have no idea what to get. I mean, people love the Sambas, the Adidas. I feel like yeah. a lot of people will do But are those like, like are those too, too trendy cool? yeah, and then like cool? next year they're not going to be? Maybe. Those have been around so long. I feel like those are the kind of things that at least to me feel timeless because even if other people aren't wearing them, it's not like whoa like that shoe is so last year it's like that's like a timeless choice like if somebody's still wearing stan smith's remember that was huge a few years ago like i'm not like ew lame i'm classic you know what i mean or on the other end of the spectrum like remember those like big chunky balenciaga shoes to me those don't feel as timeless if somebody was wearing those i'd be like oh yeah vintage (laughs) you know (laughs) i want to dive into the shoe thing for a second because shoes are my nemesis i feel like my outfits die at my shoes like i want comfy shoes because i want to dance i want to walk i want to like get my ten thousand steps in throughout the day but i feel like there's no real comfy shoes that you can do that in so literally every day i'm like i'm gonna wear a cute shoe and then i wear my plastic black birkenstocks Those are cute. And they are. But they're not elevating my look. I feel like they're neutral to my look at best. You know what I mean? So what do you feel like is the best balance of a comfy shoe that's also going to elevate your look? Okay. I had a client who was saying the exact same thing, but she was saying it was sneakers. She lived in Amsterdam. So she's like, I bike everywhere. Sneakers are the only thing that I can wear. So then she's like, okay, sneaker, and then I have to wear it with leggings or I have to wear it with jeans. And she was making really sporty looks. And she was like, these looks don't really feel like me. I'm just kind of styling around the sneaker. So we were like, okay, let's create looks that feel like the best version of you, even if they don't match with the sneaker and then put on the sneaker. And then that becomes wrong shoe. Then it becomes like a more interesting look. So she's like, okay, like if I wasn't wearing the sneaker, I would love to wear my favorite pair of trousers or I would love to wear like a silk slip skirt. But like, I feel like I can't wear that with the sneakers because it feels wrong. But actually then when you add the sneakers, that's what personal style is. Then the sneakers become interesting and cool. Should your shoes match your bag? Doesn't have to. If it feels like really dissimilar, like we're saying with a beautiful silky pant and then a Birkenstock, I feel like we almost want to add one other element that's the same as the shoe to just kind of bring it all back because we don't want the look to feel like bisected where it's like cute, 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 what? We want to maybe bring the casualness of the shoe into the bag or the black of the shoe into the bag. So it all feels a little bit more cohesive because if we're looking at your beautiful like silk set and then you have like a cool like black kind of like sling fanny package type of bag and then the shoes, then it all makes sense. Do you see what I mean? Can you picture it? I can. I can totally picture that. What about jewelry, purses, sunglasses, other accessories? Are you investing in those? Where are you buying them? How are you thinking about them when you style? 
I feel like jewelry is so slept on. We internalize the idea of take one thing off. We all want to be like so minimal, but what makes a look feel complete and personal is jewelry. I feel like people don't believe me because it's too easy to be true, but it's so true. Like if I was just wearing just this whole black thing that's all the same texture, it would look not that cute, but I have the earrings and the necklace and the rings, and now it feels like me because these are like my personal pieces. So in terms of shopping for jewelry, I feel like take your time, collect things, put different textures and different things together because then you're creating like more of a personal story as opposed to you know, something that feels like maybe a little bit more trendy or something that feels, again, maybe similar to the wrong shoe. If you keep your jewelry consistent, you kind of have like a through line throughout all your looks and it doesn't feel like you're like, okay, this is a fancy dress, so I'm going to wear like my fancy jewelry. I love the look of a t-shirt with like a lot of jewelry or even when people at the Met Gala will wear no jewelry. You know, I like that contrast. I feel like getting dressed is all about that juxtaposition and that kind of tension. I also noticed that you're wearing gold and silver mixed. Do you like to mix metals? I do. I think it gives a more personal feeling. It makes it feel more like a collection as opposed to like something that feels really not contrived, but it feels very me. Like these really are things that I've collected and that I've kind of built on and it feels personal. And anything I wear when I have my jewelry on, it feels like me. Thoughts on color theory? Similar to flattering. I think that it's really interesting information to know, and I think it's really cool. Like, I would love to have my color. Do you know yours? No. Do you know yours? I do. I have a cool summer. Is that, like, what you're wearing now? So my stylist that picked these clothes also doesn't really believe in color theory, or she doesn't think it should dictate how we dress. So I don't think she took that into mind, but I am a cool summer. I mean, love that. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's what I immediately think every time. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Again, it's great information. But if it's going to limit you, then I don't love that as much. But it seems like you're not letting it limit you because you're open to wearing whatever. But I have clients who will be like, well, I used to always wear black. And then I was told that black is not my color. So now I don't wear black. So it's really hard. It's like, well, did you like the way you looked in black? Because if you're going to let that limit yourself, then it's actually not like a very useful tool. It's interesting because your answer makes me think about that fashion is sort of two things and there's a tension between those two things. One is it's my personal expression. It's almost artistic. It's creative. And one is I want to look as hot as possible (laughs) and have the world receive me as such. And I think that color theory and what you're saying about like my client liked black but didn't want to wear black illustrates that where their artistic expression might want to make them want to wear black, but their I want to be perceived as hot would make them not. Yes. A similar thing is that I feel like fashion is both all about rules, but then there's also no rules to it. And that's what makes it so hard because we're looking for these guidelines. We're looking for these do's and don'ts. We're looking for these rules. We're looking. There's so much to see. So it's like, just give me my guidelines so I know what colors at least not to wear. We're all looking for that. But that, again, is putting us in a box. It's making it not as fun. Like you said, fashion is almost artistic. It is artistic. It is like an expression of who you are. So yeah, when we're kind of like limiting ourselves or putting ourselves into a box, I understand how that can be easier when it feels overwhelming. But then in the end, it's just, it's limiting our expression. How do you deal with that with clients though, that I want to look really hot, but also I want to express myself. And sometimes those feel at odds and they feel like they would lead you in different directions. I know what you're saying, but I feel like when you are dressed in a way that really feels 
like yourself, whether it's the most flattering or most like sexy or hot thing ever, I feel like you're confident. And I feel like that's hot. You know, when people say like, the best thing you can wear is confidence, that's really freaking annoying. But like, it's kind of true because I think people who have amazing style aren't necessarily people who are wearing their colors or dressing for their body. You can tell when you see somebody and you're like, whoa, that person like knows who they are. I don't think I ever am like, wow, that person's like really knows how to like make herself look really thin. I'm like, wow, you can tell that like that's who they are when you see them. Okay, so let's dive into your very famous theory on helping us figure out who we are. For people who are not familiar, can you explain three words? Yes. So the three word method is essentially just distilling your style down to three adjectives. And it is helpful because as we're talking about, there are no rules, but Sometimes it's nice to have personal guardrails, a framework to work within. So the first word is the kind of realistic word, and that's the word that you find by looking in your closet. And I have clients pull out the things that you wear all the time. Don't just look in your closet. Actually take out the things that you're wearing all the time and put them on the bed, on the floor, on a rack, someplace where they're kind of out of the context of your closet, and look at those pieces and ask yourself, how would I describe them? What if you hate everything in your closet? That's okay. So your first word could be based on a bunch of clothes you hate and that's okay? Pretty much because it's giving us a starting point. Okay. Like you said before when I'm not sure if my three words are right because I feel like maybe it was who I'm trying to be. We have to figure out where we're starting from. I've had clients be like, okay, cool. All of my stuff is sweatpants and jeans that I don't like and sweatshirts and I don't like any of this. It's like, cool, maybe your first word is comfortable because even if you don't like it, like that's clearly a priority for you. You know, that's why you're wearing these things because they feel comfortable or maybe it's functional. Maybe it's like, I don't have anything better. So this is what I'm wearing. So I feel like we can frame it like that. And don't worry because we can evolve. We can change. Your three words change. And this is just like kind of the realistic word. The second word is the aspirational word, and you find that by looking at your Pinterest, by looking at just things that you've screenshot. It doesn't have to be huge Pinterest. Like You can just have four pictures of looks that you really like and just ask yourself, how would I describe these? And maybe for that same client that had really comfortable clothes, maybe it's like, okay, whoa, everything I'm attracted to is really tailored and sharp. Or maybe it's all really colorful and I don't have any color in my wardrobe. It's just good information. So let's say like your first word is comfortable and your second word is tailored. The third word is how do I want to feel in my clothing? Like you said, maybe it is hot. Maybe it's powerful. Maybe it's elegant. How do I want the world to perceive me or how do I want to feel? And so that's kind of how you find your three words. And now what's good about that is because if you are starting from that kind of comfortable place, like we said, like the sweats, the things you don't love, great. Maybe we look more to the second word, to that tailored word, and maybe our third word is powerful. So when we're shopping and when we're putting together looks, we're like, what do I have that's tailored? Or what can I get that's tailored that I can add to these more comfortable looks? Give them just that little zhuzh. Maybe it's honestly like a really cool like structural earring or something, you know, or maybe it's like some jewelry, but like what can I do to kind of infuse my looks with a little bit of that more powerful tailored vibe? What are your three words? My three words, I feel like I'm maybe going through an evolution, but my three words are classic, just because I love a boring, classic, simple silhouette, 70s. I find like everything that I pin or everything that I screenshot is always either an old 70s reference of, you know, Cher or, you know, Jane Birkin, all of the Bianca Jagger. And then my third word is elegant, because again, for me personally, 
you saw the way I come in. I'm a bit of a mess sometimes. So I feel like my third word is just like, okay, I want to consciously elevate. I want to pick pieces that are going to maybe feel like a little bit more sophisticated and chic so that it can do the heavy lifting for me because I could be a little bit chaotic. <laughs> I just want to sit on that for a second because I do think that it is one of the things that I love so much about your approach to style. And I think this comes through in your book so much, which is that it's not just what we're wearing. It's this incredible tool that we can use to be the people that we want to be and to feel the way that we want to feel. And the way you said that, you're like, I can be a little chaotic. I want to be elegant. I'm using my clothing as a tool in the same way that we would almost use like meditation or eating a certain way or moving our body a certain way as a tool to be the people that we want to be. Yes, 100%. You got it. That's the thesis of the book. (laughs) Exactly. I just think that's such a unique approach and I absolutely love it. I think it's so cool. Okay, so what do you think my three words are? Okay, well, that's what I was going to say. Oh, I don't remember what we said on our call. We did. Comfortable was one of them. And then I think we did hard was one of them, which was kind of interesting because I was saying that I liked like harder lines. We also did it at a time that I was like – Oh, yeah. We didn't like, have your whole closet. We didn't have all. my – I was nomading. I was yeah. also kind of depressed. <laughs> it was like <laughs> – Okay. Yeah. Like I didn't have anything colorful. I definitely didn't have anything in my closet that felt like me, which I still think I'm working on. The things that you love to wear, like the flowy pants. Like yeah. We have like the silk pants. What else do we like to wear? I love color. I'm discovering that about myself. I love a blazer. I mm-hmm. love a leather jacket. My favorite like – movies fashion wise and tv shows are like daisy jones and the six almost famous like i love that 70s energy but i also feel it's the same thing of like i feel like the styles i like when i put them on my body i'm shorter i'm curvier i feel like i don't like the way they look in the same way that i like how they look on the people that i'm looking at them on Give me an example of something that you've tried that's like a little bit more 70s daisy jones vibe like she wears like a lot of fitted kind of like slinky to the body dresses with maybe like a halter and it's really thin material. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like that hugs my body in ways I do not enjoy. So what if we like kind of took a little bit of that like 70s kind of, would you call boho? Yeah. Yeah. Like that boho influence and use it in a different way. Maybe it's about a really cool suede jacket or maybe it's even about hair and makeup or jewelry, like adding like a really cool vintage like 70s necklace or a pair of earrings. I love in the series, there's like a point where she's wearing like a vintagey nightgown, like kind of like what you're describing, but maybe it's about getting a cool, more like roby type of thing to like put over some of your silk pants, you know? I feel like there's ways that we can kind of get that vibe without like having it be like one-to-one exactly the same. Okay, so we said comfortable. I feel like there is a 70s, maybe it's just because it's what you're wearing, but like I feel like vibrant or colorful or bold has to be somewhere in there. Yeah, and I would say maybe that's the last one because I do want to live a life that's like vibrant and colorful and bold. Yes. And so maybe that's like my aspiration. I definitely – I have no aspirations to be elegant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like hot. I do want to be perceived in a certain way and I think that that's – an eternal struggle in my life. What makes you feel the most hot? Being naked. Uh, Okay, love that. Okay, fine, great. (laughs) Just be naked. (laughs) Um, When like my stylist put this together for me, I feel hot and I don't know, it feels ephemeral. Yeah. And maybe it is that the boldness and like that vibrance is like what makes you feel hot. Maybe. So maybe we keep that as three. Comfy, boho, bold. Yeah. Another thing with the three words, and again, we were talking about like the tension and sort of, I feel like having three words that 
sometimes feel like contrasting or opposite is actually what makes for really, really good style. Because I will have clients be like, well, my three words are so different. Or like, my first word is sporty, but my second word is romantic. How do those work? And it's like, they do. That's what makes the style personal. Doing like a cool pair of jeans with like a sneaker and like a more romantic top, you know, like that's what makes it interesting because somebody else might wear that romantic top totally different. And again, that's what makes style personal and that's what makes it yours. So having these words and this contrast and again, like the opposites, I think is cool. Not that bold and boho are necessarily opposites, but I like the idea of like these kind of maybe more like boho shapes and ideas and textures, but then with like the bold colors. I think that is what is going to make it like so Liz. And are our words changing with time? I think they can totally change with time. I mean, just as we evolve as people, the words evolve too. If you're feeling like you're putting together looks and you're like, okay, these are expressing my three words, but like something doesn't feel quite right, then maybe it's time to kind of reassess and figure out if maybe your influences have changed or the way you want to feel has changed. Maybe like your lifestyle has changed and that is kind of reflected in your words as well. They're literally also just for you. So like you don't have to tell anybody. Like they really are supposed to just be like a helpful tool for you. And if sometimes people would be like, well, the word that I have, like it doesn't really makes sense, but it like makes sense to me. I'm like, great. It's only for you. It's only for you. It's like a mantra. Are there any other problems you see people running into when trying to pick their words that we could kind of troubleshoot for them? Yes. So I feel like a lot of times people will be like, oh, my words are like really not boring, but like I feel like a lot of people, I mean, one of my words is classic, but I feel like classic, like almost everybody's like classic or chic or something. But I feel like, ask yourself, like, what does classic mean to me? Like, what does that actually mean? Do I mean preppy? Do I mean timeless? Do I mean clean? Do I mean minimal? Do I mean there's so much that it can mean. So I feel like taking your words and maybe trying to like dive a little bit deeper and maybe even like writing a list of all the different like kind of associations with the word classic. And in the book, I have like a little word wheel where it has, but those are just my ideas. It's kind of a fun exercise for yourself to be like, 70s for me, like I posted once on Instagram, these are my 70s references. And people are like, those don't look 70s to me. I'm like, okay, cool. That's what I'm picking up from these pictures or these influences. But other people, your 70s is a little bit more boho, you know? Yeah, there's like disco 70s and there's like boho 70s for sure. Another thing I loved in your book was the anywhere, anytime looks. I just think that they simplified for the person who's like, I just want to look good. I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about this. Can you talk us through some of those combinations? Yes, I feel like there are just some very easy formulas. And it's, again, I don't have to see your closet in order to like make these for you. Like they're in the book. They're just very easy formulas and kind of like a base to start with and then just easy things to put on top. So it's like a t-shirt, jeans, a cool pair of loafers, throw like a sweater on over your shoulders or throw on a cardigan, put on a great pair of hoops and you're good. There's like some easy formulas that again, I can say that and a hundred people can have a hundred different looks. And again, that's what's personal stylist. But there's some easy kind of formulas that I lay out in the book that I think will be helpful if you're like, I'm stuck. I just like need something. Here you go. Yeah, I love that. Do you have another favorite one other than like the sweater over t-shirt jeans combo? Wear a great pair of leggings. Maybe like if you want, like put like a little sock with it and your sneaker. Throw on like a white t-shirt and then put on your sweatshirt just so there's like a little bit of contrast between the t-shirt and the sweatshirt. Just very easy ones. I mean, I feel like I talked about this in the book, but like always like adding jewelry. Again, almost the opposite of take one thing off. Add one thing. Add something that's going to make it feel personal, that's going to make it feel interesting, that's going to almost maybe push you a little bit out of your comfort zone. Because again, like getting dressed, it takes work and we kind of sometimes have to push ourselves a little bit. Let's talk about shopping for a second. Yes. (laughs) I feel like you're maybe the most 
anti-shopping fashion person that I know. Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I like. I like that you encourage people to find things in their own wardrobe and you're not like you need to go out and run out and buy a bunch of different stuff. That said, what pieces do you think are worth spending more money on and what should we be saving on? Jackets and outerwear I think is a good thing to spend money on. If we're talking price per wear, a great jacket or a great coat, like you can wear that with anything and it's going to make you feel amazing. You can throw it over like sweatpants or leggings and like you'll look great. So I think that's a good something to splurge on. I don't necessarily feel like you need to spend a ton of money on it, but I feel like it's a good investment piece, meaning a good piece to really invest time in finding and then invest time in styling. I'm big on bags and shoes because I feel like similarly to a jacket, it's like that can just really elevate a look. And also... Shoes can kind of be like a tough spot for people. But I feel like if you were wearing sneakers with this, the look would be totally different. If you're wearing like a high boot, it would be totally different. So I feel like having like some good pairs of shoes that are comfortable and that can totally change a look is a good investment too. And then bags. I just feel like that, again, it can make a look feel polished. It can really add in like one of your three words with a great bag. And I just find that that's something that always fits. It always feels good. I love a good bag. This tip is going to save you money and make you so much happier. We're going to talk about doing an at-home mani. It is way easier than you think, and looking down at gorgeous nails is just such an instant infusion of happiness throughout your day. Plus, doing the mani itself is such a nice way to occupy your brain instead of mindlessly scrolling or snacking. I personally love doing it while I watch TV. The key, the absolute key, is the Olive and June manicure set. Olive and June polish is wild. I literally don't like getting manicures done at salons anymore because the quality is worse than the Olive and June polishes that I use at home. It lasts for so long. I'm talking two full weeks, which I have never gotten from a salon manicure, and it doesn't chip or damage my nails at all. And some of you might remember the salon manicure that fully wrecked my nails, and it took me months to bring them back to health. So never again. If you have never tried Olive and June, their Manny system is going to give you everything that you need to get started. You get their file and buffer. You get their straight edge nail clippers, which I absolutely love because you can shape your nails in any shape way more easily. You get their acetone-free polish remove pot, which makes it so easy to remove your polish in seconds and you don't mess up your other nails while you're doing it. You're going to get a cleanup brush. You're going to get the award-winning cuticle serum. I love to keep this in my car so I can just kind of like serumize my cuticles throughout the day. You're going to get the top coat, which makes your nails look so shiny. And you're going to get six polishes of your choice. Plus, they include a genius little tool. It's called the Poppy. You're going to screw that on the top of the nail polish, and then it makes it so much easier to grip and paint with your non-dominant hand. I've been using their Manny system for a few years now, and I'm honestly still shocked every single time at how good it looks and how long they last. The top coat is a serious game changer. As soon as I put it on, honestly, it just looks like I got a professional manicure. And when you break it down, Olive and June costs just $2 a mani versus $35 plus for the overall same result. And that's not even including the time you save, which is so valuable in my opinion. And of course, Olive and June's polishes are always seven free, meaning they're completely free of the seven toxic chemicals most commonly found in nail polish formulas, things like formaldehyde and resin that you want to avoid breathing in. You get to pick six colors with the Manny system. So if you want to know what I would do, right now I'm loving Not a Cloud, which is perfect for the blueberry milk nails that are everywhere right now, and then Lava, which is the cutest corally red, and then Jam Please, which is the most gorgeous lilac that just gives me a huge grin every single time I look at it. 
They also now have press-on nails and tons of quick-dry polishes for an even faster process. If you want to try Olive and June for yourself, visit oliveandjune.com slash Liz Moody for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash L-I-Z-M-O-O-D-Y for 20% off your first Manny system. I cannot wait for you to try them. When Zach and I started Healthy Convo Co., we needed to find the easiest way to get conversation cards from our warehouse onto our website and into your hands. I thought it was going to be the hardest part of starting a business, but it wound up being one of the easiest because we just used Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling gorgeous ceramics to sip morning tea from or beautiful journals to write prompts from the we're all in this together deck in, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. I know as a consumer, I'm way more likely to buy when a website has Shopify. It has all of my information saved, so checkout becomes a one-click situation, even on small business sites, which makes me so happy because I love shopping small. But it's not just small. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lizm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Liz M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Liz M. Do you like like a designer bag? Do you like labels that are visible? Designer bags are so interesting to me because like I think there's a certain extent to which they're better made. There's high quality there. But a huge part of it is you're kind of just like paying so that somebody on the street can tell that you can afford to spend this much money on a bag, which just feels like weird. Like, I'm like, why am I doing that? Yeah, you're so right. So I feel like the ones that are maybe a little bit less branded or something that, like you said, is really well made and therefore is expensive. I feel like that's something nice. But is it like $3,000 well made ever? Probably not. Like Probably not. I don't know. At the end of the day, like as much as I'm like, don't buy that kind of person, like, At the end of the day, I freaking love fashion. That's why I do this. So like, I love it. I really love it. And that's why I'm always like, don't buy that because I tell myself, don't buy that. Are there places that you feel like are underrated to shop? I mean, for bags, consignment, the real, real, this other one, Relux has really good, like, so if you're looking for that kind of like designer bag for a lower price, I like that. But for not, this brand, Polen, P-O-L-E-N-E, it's a French brand, I think. But they do like beautiful, well-made leather bags that are not branded. They're really pretty. This other brand called Demillier, 
does really beautiful bags. They also do like non-branded, just like beautiful leather bags. So no, I don't think you need like a designer logo or a designer bag, but I think like having a bag that feels nice and that feels like it's maybe expressing one of your three words is, is always there a good investment. A silhouette of bag that you feel like elevates outfits. Like, do you like the little ones that tuck under your arms? Do you like a big boho one? Do you like a crossbody? I think it depends. I really do. I always say that whatever of your three words that feels like it's almost maybe like the most aspirational or like the something that's lacking, I would look for a bag that you could describe using that word. So maybe the example person that's really has a lot of comfortable clothes but wants to be more tailored, maybe they should go for a bag that feels like a little bit more structured because that no matter what, they add that bag to their looks and it feels like we kind of have that more tailored vibe. Yeah, So I that's love my that. advice there. I mean, I love a crossbody bag just because I'm kind of functional. I feel like that's always a good thing. I also like the idea of like using a crossbody bag to sort of like disrupt the line of an outfit, I feel like it adds something. It's like jewelry. It's like it's nice to have just like something else, like another texture with a look. What about shopping for shoes, jewelry, and clothes? Okay. My tips for shoes, do not get a shoe that is not comfortable. Just don't. If you're somebody who's like, maybe I'll stretch it or maybe I'll wear it in. You won't. And it's going to be painful and you won't wear them. It doesn't have to be like a sneaker. It doesn't have to be an orthopedic shoe, but like something that does not give you blisters like immediately when you're at the store. I feel like comfort is very important. That's my tip there. There's a whole section in the book about shopping for denim because we said like that can be really, it's really fraught. tricky. Yeah. Denim can be really tricky. Always for denim, I try a size bigger than I think I am and a size smaller because there's been so many times where I've had jeans I'm like these fit and then I get home I'm like these are so tight and they do fit but they're too tight you have to compare and contrast and you don't really know until you try so I always try at least three sizes of jeans I do that for everything I buy especially okay, if you're ordering online yeah. I order the size above the size below and the size that I think I am for shoes for clothes and then now with girl math I'm like oh I'm getting all this free money because <laughs> exactly. I'm returning yeah, everything I'm yeah which is amazing yeah that is amazing it's the most lucrative thing money. I do yeah. <laughs> wow you are a real entrepreneur but I yeah because I know how it is. Like if you buy a pair of jeans and they don't fit and then you return them and you get another pair and they don't fit, it's like that is so stressful and you want to give up. It's not fun. It's very frustrating. So I think helping yourself by at least getting more than one at once, maybe like setting up a situation in your room. Maybe this is too woo-woo, but I think this is the place to do it. But maybe ordering from a few different brands, a few different sizes, lighting a candle, putting on some music, just trying them all on at once taking a second in each pair, like sit down, walk around your room, walk to the kitchen, like just do something to be like, okay, how do these feel? Take a picture, maybe take a video and like sit on it for a while. Like you don't have to return them that second. Just sit on it for a while and then maybe look and be like, which one was the most comfortable? Which one do I like the best? And kind of go from there. Again, it takes a little bit of work, but you're going to save yourself a lot of frustration. And then what about stores? I would especially love to hear stores that you think have like a good quality at like a reasonable price point. Like I feel like you introduced me to, is it Dish? Their stuff is love. so cool. Really, really love Dish. That's an Australian brand. Really cool. Dress is minimal. It feels like it's almost hitting that comfortable and boho vibe for you. That's a really good one. I also love Anine Bang. I think that's a really cool brand. It's a little bit pricier, but I do feel like the pieces feel... I don't necessarily want to say worth it, but yeah, like cool. It's not just like a regular blazer. Like there's an interesting cut. There's almost a justification for like why it's a Neen Bing as opposed to something else. I love costs. I think that's like a really good one for basics that kind of is sometimes slept on. Honestly, Gap. 
Gap has some cute stuff. I've found some really nice stuff from Gap, especially if you're kind of into that more classic timeless vibe. I feel like there's nothing more classic and timeless than like a cool denim shirt from Gap, you know? For like the classic pieces, I love Gap. I love vintage, which I know is kind of, some people love it, some people hate it. I like vintage. I like going to the consignment stores. I love Beacon's Closet and stuff in New York. I think that's also really fun. If you're somebody who doesn't like shopping, that's not fun. I'll put on a podcast and I'll walk... If you sort of, again, reframe shopping as like, I'm not looking for this specific thing, like I'm just enjoying, I'm seeing what I find. I know sometimes it's really good to be focused, but other times at places like that, you just kind of want to enjoy yourself, get a coffee, listen to like the Liz Moody podcast and just walk around, feel stuff, try stuff. It can be kind of fun. You don't believe me. I have like it a 30 be. second tolerance for shopping. Like I'm like, oh, that store looks fun. I walk in and then You're I'm like, like okay, fun. I'm tired. <laughs> what is it? It's just like it's tiring. I just You're- find it overwhelming. Like my favorite store is essentially the experience I had with my stylist, which would just be like a rack of clothing that was picked out for me. Okay, yes. And then yeah. it's done. I just find it really overwhelming. Okay, I want to get into some listener questions. Okay. And this goes with the consignment store thing, actually. So here's one. I want to dress sustainably, but it costs so much and I don't have time to thrift for hours. What are your tips? The most sustainable thing you can do is shop your closet. So I feel like the first place to look is in your closet. What do you have? And I think if you want to be like a sustainable shopper, I think it's more about, well, obviously it's about buying things that are ethically made and if when you can vintage. But I think another part of it is being really thoughtful. And like even if you're going to buy something from Zara – you can. Approach it with the same thoughtfulness as you would approach buying something really expensive. We should not be looking at clothing as stuff that is like for one season or disposable, you know? So I think that the best way is kind of just having like a thoughtful eye. And again, thinking of things as investments in terms of money, of course, but also investments in time. We have to invest time looking for the piece. Then we also have to invest time in thinking of new ways to wear it. So I think just approaching shopping in a way that feels thoughtful. Yeah, I love the idea of thinking of the cost of the item as less the physical price, but like this is a thing that was made that I'm consuming and treating it with that respect as such. Even if it's from like H&M and I know people have all different thoughts about fast fashion, but I do feel like, again, I have things from Zara that I've had for like 15 years and it's because I bought them because I was like, oh, I'm going to love this forever. Not just being like, oh, this is kind of a fun Zara thing. I'll just get rid of it. What are your thoughts on the clothing rental services? I like that. I really like that. Yeah. I like it too because I feel like it lets me play with my style in a way that I wouldn't if I had to commit to purchasing a piece. Yeah. You can take some risk and you can try it, wear it, play. And if you want to buy it, you can. But I like the idea that you can just kind of like experiment a little bit Yeah. I wear stuff I would never, ever buy. Oh, I love it. Okay. I feel uncomfortable in my body after kids. I don't know where to start and I don't know my style. Any advice is appreciated. Yes. I find I have so many new mothers as clients because it's like the shift in identity, of course, like the change in body and lifestyle. The things that were important to you, just priorities shift. Where I would start is looking at what is it that I'm actually grabbing every day. Even if it's like leggings or even if it's like a look to go to the park, what is it that is feeling comfortable to me and comfortable with my body? Because I know people are like, I have nothing to wear. It's like, well, you're not naked. So you're wearing something. So like, what are those things? And figure out again, how can I elevate these things even in the smallest way? Even if I'm just wearing leggings and a sweatshirt all the time, maybe I'm going to add like a sock with a sneaker and a cool necklace and like a cool crossbody bag. Then you'll feel more elevated and you'll begin to start to find yourself and to kind of figure out where you want your style to go. 
But don't be hard on yourself. Give yourself time to settle into like that new identity and figure out what are my new routines? How does my body feel? Like what feels great on my body? And then kind of go from there. That reminds me, I didn't get your tips on where to buy jewelry. Oh, okay. Where to buy jewelry? I mean, jewelry is hard because there's like the majority kind of, and then there's like the really, really expensive. expensive. Yeah. I mean, again, vintage is a great option. Some of my favorites are completed works. That's like a little bit more on the expensive side, but those pieces are so cool. And I feel like you would like them. There's a kind of like a slightly like boho, like organic kind of feeling to them. And they feel like they're not cheap price-wise or like material-wise. Bagatiba is another one that's – it's sort of Majuri-ish, but like it feels like there's a little bit more kind of interesting feeling to them. Laura Lombardi, she's like a Brooklyn-based designer. She does incredible hoops, really good chain necklaces. Who else? Pamela Card. I think she's Canadian and she does like really cool pendants. Ooh, Agmes, A-G-M-E-S. They do – like for example, for our fictional person that – has really comfortable clothes but wants something like a little bit more like sharp or tailored. They have like really cool pendants and cool hoop earrings that feel like kind of sharp and like architectural. So those are all my faves. <laughs> Where do you recommend starting if you look in your wardrobe, you hate basically everything, you want to start up leveling, but you don't have the money to just go buy a bunch of new pieces? How do you know which one is going to make the biggest difference? It's a really good question. I would really look at your regulars or the things that you wear all the time. And I would just like start to expand on that. Again, like sometimes when we look in our closet, it can be overwhelming because there's so much there. But if you really just take out the pieces that you're wearing all the time and be like, okay, these are kind of my formulas. This is what I'm wearing five days a week. What could make this feel a little bit more interesting? Maybe it's like a great belt. Maybe it's like a cool sweater for the fall. You know, really, I want you to like look at what you're actually wearing to then figure out how can I elevate this a little bit. Maybe you're wearing like a ton of jeans and none of them feel quite right. Maybe that's a place that you want to invest. Like if you're wearing a bunch of jeans, they don't feel great. Maybe invest in jeans. Do you have any tips on like the flip side? I feel like I buy so many things and I'm like, this is going to be the piece I'm going to love forever. (laughs) And then like in two months, I'm like, what is this? I hate it. How do we avoid that? Oh, it's so hard. One thing I will say about that is I do that too. And I beat myself up because I wasted money. As somebody who loves fashion, I'll put a lot of pressure on clothes. Like you said, I'll be like, This is the thing that's going to change my life, my wardrobe, everything. This is the piece that like, I'm going to get this and everything's going to be changed. It's like, that's never going to happen. We cannot put that much pressure on our clothing. And I feel like when that happens and we'll either get it and we don't like it and it's really disappointing or we'll get it and we don't like it and we still keep it. That's also really disappointing. I think that we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace there and be like, you know what? I'm not wearing this. I'm going to donate it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to let it go. I love clothes so much that I feel bad when I'm not wearing them. Like I feel sad for them. So that makes it easier for me because I'm like, okay, I'm not giving this top the life that it deserves. It deserves to have some fun and it's just sitting in my stupid closet. So that makes me feel like a little bit more empowered to donate it or to sell it. So I'm like, somebody needs to wear it. And I know I'll get upset at myself sometimes if I spend too much money, but I feel like we have to kind of like take the L's and be like, we're moving on. Because again, I'll see clients who are like, I have this and I don't like it, but like, how should I style it? But then they'll put it on. They're like, I'm like, I can tell you don't like it. You know what I mean? So it's like, let's just not, why do we have to make that work? We don't really. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Can you leave us with just one homework assignment, something we can do when we turn off the podcast today to feel like our most fashionable self? I'll give you a few. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a really mean teacher. We're going to have a lot of homework. First is from this moment on, 
gather inspiration. When you see something, screenshot it, put it into like an inspo folder. You'll be amazed at like how clear your style becomes or your preferences become when you see all your inspiration together. The other thing I will say is clean out your closet, organize your closet. I think that a lot of times we feel really dissatisfied with our closet because we open it and it's messy and it's like not really aesthetically pleasing. So we'll open it. We're like, this all sucks. Let's close this and let's go shopping. But I feel like if we organize our closet, like a store that we want to go shopping at or like a place that feels beautiful and safe and loving and great, then we'll open up our closet doors and be like, oh, I'm happy to see you. I will wear this shirt. You I know? will also say you have great practical tips for the process of cleaning out your closet in your book. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. Because it's really important. And I know that we're busy and it's tough, but I really do think that like taking pride in this space because your closet, it is a space and it should be like a sacred space that you love. So taking pride in this space and the way that you clean it and the way that you take care of it, it should be like a reflection of you and it should feel like a safe and inviting space and not a scary and triggering one. Well, I'll give you one more. Again, <laughs> if you, okay, if you're not sure what your style is, starting today, just for one week, take a picture of your look every single day. That will be very illuminating. We'll learn something. You'll learn something. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> amazing. Can you tell us a little bit in your own words about your amazing book and also where to find you on the internet? Yes. So on the internet, I'm Allison Bornstein 6 on Instagram and on TikTok. Wait, and who is Allison Bornstein 1 or do you I just – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Recently, my friend was like, you know, I think you could just change it to Allison Bornstein. I'm like, it's – I feel like it could deep. be time. <laughs> so on both TikTok and Instagram, Allison Bornstein 6 and my website's AllisonBornstein.com and you can get my book on my website and I have all the different retailers where you can get my book. And my book is really a guide to help you – approach your style and approach your closet as a place of self-expression and as a place of joy. And all the things we talked about, like really this is a tool that you can use to feel like the person that you want to feel like every day. And I feel like your book breaks that down in such a pragmatic and actionable way. And I absolutely loved it. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Okay, so many unlocks with this episode. First of all, I love my new three words. If you're listening and you create your own three words, please, please, please tag me and Allison on Instagram because I want to hear them. I love the idea of bringing pieces of the vibes that you like into outfits while still feeling comfy and happy in the parts of your body that you're highlighting. I love all of the store recommendations. I've already browsed some of these online and they are such good stores, especially the jewelry ones. I love the idea of seeing fashion as a tool for self-discovery and self-actualization. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely check out Allison's beautiful book, Wear It Well, Reclaim Your Closet, and Rediscover the Joy of Getting Dressed. I cannot recommend it enough, and it would also be such a good gift book if we're already shopping for the holidays. And if you love the episode, please give it a quick rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or share a link on your social or with a friend or family member. Friends, do not let friends not have the information that they need to feel as cute as possible. If someone shared a link with you and you are new to the podcast, welcome. I am so glad that you're here. Make sure you're following on whatever platform you like to listen on. All you have to do is go to the main podcast page. That's the one that lists all of the Liz Moody podcast episodes, and you'll see the word follow under the logo on Spotify. And then there's a little follow with a plus sign button on the top right of that same page on Apple Podcasts. This way, you will not miss out on any new episodes. They will appear right in your feed 
every single Wednesday, and you do not want to miss out because we have some very exciting ones coming up, including an episode all about how we can get the best quality sleep of our lives, and another with the great Eve Rodsky getting into the nitty-gritty of dividing up household labor and balancing mental load. And remember to go to lizmoody.com slash tour so you can come hang out with me on tour. It will be truly one night to change your life. Okay, I love you and I will see you next Wednesday on the next episode of the Liz Moody Podcast. I have a product that is going to change your life. I've recommended this to so many people and they're all floored. It's basically a perfect dupe for the viral Laneige lip mask, but a million times better and with ingredients that are clinically proven to help dry lips and actually good for you, which is important because you're essentially eating anything that goes on your lips. It is the Osmia Lip Repair Overnight Mask, and it feels like heaven. And you're going to want one for yourself and also to stock up and give them as gifts because they are the best present. They help my dry lips when nothing else works, and I will never be without mine now. And while you're on the Osmia site, you are going to want to stock up on the bar soaps. This is the original product that Dr. Sarah Villafranco, the founder, created, and they have converted me to bar soaps after years of not being able to take the plunge. They're cured longer, so they last way longer than any other bar soap I have ever found, which is amazing for travel. I have been traveling so much recently, and I've had literally the same bar of soap, and they smell amazing, and they do not dry out your skin. Go with the scent that speaks to your soul, but coffee mint is my personal favorite. Finally, if you remember Sarah's pod episode, she has a whole line of products that help with skin conditions like perioral dermatitis, which is when you get red and broken out around your mouth, eczema, and acne, even when nothing else works. She's famous for this. So start with the black clay facial soap and the purely simple face cream if you are like, oh yes, that is me. If you would like to try any Osmia skincare products for yourself, they have so generously created a code for the Liz Moody podcast listeners. Code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. Once again, code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. 